0: Let's uh, now visit with Craig Milano's. Hey, Craig, this is John Williams, and welcome back. You're on WGN Radio. How are you? Hey, John, great to be with you. Snowmageddon Friday. Yeah, uh, Craig Belanos is the co-founder and CEO of Wealth Management Group. I, I said in sort of promoting your appearance, let's see if he is as cheerful about the economy as everybody else seems to be this week. But maybe the inflation numbers are going to temper our, you know, our cheerfulness. What do you think about all of that?
1: No, the truth is, you know what? I mean, we had two levels of inflation data come out this week. We had the CPI data. Obviously, that was a bit disappointing. The core component came down. But shelter, the cost of housing, it's so stubborn. Eventually, we're going to get a break there. And then this morning, 730 Central Time, we got the PPI data, the producer price a little bit better. So what does all that mean? I think it still puts us in a place where the market is slightly misaligned with the Federal Reserve. The market's thinking, again, five to six rate cuts. I don't think we're getting five to six rate cuts. I think we're only going to get two to three. So the water, it's not too hot, it's not too cold. The inflation's just lukewarm right now.
0: But what's the inflation rate at? The target is two. Didn't it tick up a little bit?
1: Oh, it is. Don't get me wrong. The problem is, John, and I've said this before on the show, and I'm going to stick with it. I, don't, I think this 2% number is kind of a false deity. I think it's a false target. I just have such a hard time believing that we're ever going to get down to a 2% number. I wish the Fed hadn't floated that because I just don't know how realistic it is. I mean, I am shaped by my own experience through the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s today, and running at 3% inflation? Kind of feels normal in the same way to me. Three to four percent money markets and four to five percent bond yields feel normal too.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I've often asked you and others, so what's so magical about the number 2% and isn't 2.8% feel about the same? Aren't we about as close to what the Fed wants? Can't they start to reduce rates, particularly if the markets are doing well and if wages are outstripping inflation, then it seems to me like you've got a winning formula. But the Fed would not seem to be satisfied with that otherwise.
1: No, I mean, listen, we have a very good prescription. You know, sometimes you get lucky and you actually thread the needle on a sunny day, even when you had a cataract. I mean, it's kind of tough to do. The truth of the matter is this. I mean... <sighs> you know, when I think about the one big risk to the inflation data, I'm okay with where the numbers are. I think about the events of last night. I mean, we ended up lobbing bombs, dropping missiles into the Red Sea. And you have to look at oil prices. Oil prices are so low, so soft, so benign. If we ended up getting a... Spike in oil—that's a core component to these inflation numbers. It's going to change the mix. So I think the Fed's just got to be incredibly patient, and people are going to have to come to grips that we're not going to get as many cuts as the market thought in the middle of November and December of this past year.
0: It's funny that you say that. Dr. Bob Freilich was on on Wednesday, and he's very optimistic for a variety of reasons. I don't need to go into, but he thinks it might be as many as eight. Drops by the Fed. But his one of his caveats was now he said, oh, no, look, I don't have a crystal ball. And, you know, if, a, if another war breaks out, well, that'll change things. And you never know what's going to happen in the Red Sea right now. So I, I suppose that's not a tiny caveat to even his optimistic predictions. No,
1: that's just it. I mean, because really, you know, for everything to stay Goldilocks, which, by the way, is the environment we were in, that was the most fun I've had. Thanksgiving and, you know, what I call the – Christmas holiday season of December is you've got to have the inflation be stable, continue to slowly drop down, especially that break in shelter. You've got to have the Fed have a couple of rate cuts. You've got to have double-digit profit growth in the S&P. Remember, John, we're coming into a year where last year people thought 225 earnings. Now people think $245 of earnings for the S&P. That's double-digit price growth. And we have to hope that the consumer's somehow has a money tree that they printed in the backyard that's going to allow them to continue to spend. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that's got to go right. There's a couple of things that could get us juxtaposed in the mix, but I'm encouraged still to start 2024.
0: Okay, let me put you on hold then for a second. Tell me what those couple of things are that might worry you a little bit. And also just tell me what you think about Can the markets, can the three major indices repeat their performances this year that they had last year? What are
1: the couple of things that gets me as nervous as a long tail cat in a room full of rocking chairs as to why things could derail?
0: It's not the way I put it, but yes. What were those couple of caveats you've got? The couple of caveats, the disclaimers, here they go.
1: Number one, if Congress shows an inability in this election year to adequately deal with with the debt service and the raising and continuing resolutions, then what'll happen is you'll see treasury yields go higher. That means interest rates go higher, that further injures the cost of borrowing, slows down the consumer. Number two, we just talked about it, I think the dark horse that's out there is energy prices. If we get a spike in energy prices, we know together that that's a direct tax on the consumer, that's gonna slow everything down. Part number three in terms of what I think we need to pay attention to that could derail is just, again, a misalignment of investor expectations relative to those Federal Reserve rate cuts, which are all tied to, again, interest rates and inflation. So those are my big three. I know I left the election out of it because I think the election is out of it. I know I left some of the geopolitical tensions out of it, but that's related to oil prices primarily. So there's my three, John
0: about those oil prices gas is about 269 a gallon for a lot of us i wonder how much on the upside we could tolerate before there were real repercussions i mean uh, sometimes i pay 349 sometimes i pay 279 it depends on where i am but it would seem to me like gas prices are low enough right now that they could go up a little bit and we wouldn't suffer much for it no, I think there is definitely some room. I
1: I can't put a number in terms of a dollar value of unleaded gasoline, but I can put a number on it when it comes to a barrel of West Texas crude. You know, right now oil sells in the low seventies, call it seventy three dollars a barrel. But it wasn't that long ago. And when I say not that long ago, we're talking September of 2023, oil prices were $93, not $73. And if oil goes above 86, that's our red line in the sand, that's going to signal some problems down for us as consumers at the pump.
0: You're listening to Craig Bolanos. He's the co-founder and CEO of Wealth Management Group. Invest with WMG.com is his website. What are the chances that the Dow, the NASDAQ, and uh, the S&P can repeat their performance in 24? Mm,
1: Well, if anybody thinks we're going to have a follow-up act, act part two, number two, that's going to replicate the massive gains that happened in 2023, uh, it's probably wishful thinking. The valuations don't support it. But do we have an environment, if, the inflation can be stable and go down, the consumer can continue to spend based on a tight labor market and strong jobs where you see single digit growth in broad based equity prices, put dividends on top, that strong single digits, I think there's a great chance that that can still occur in 2024. And don't forget, the bond side of everyone's portfolio looks good because starting yields, which are now higher, courtesy of better interest rates, that's a good predictor for total returns in bonds in 2024.
0: And lower interest rates are good for businesses. And Bob Fralick said that he also thinks there's a lot of capital on the sidelines waiting to get back into uh, markets uh, waiting to reinvest in businesses, and he thinks that's really going to drive the economy this year. Do you share that view? Well, I can say I can
1: say it from this. Dr. Bob is fantastic, always an optimist, which makes it wonderful to speak with him. And there is plenty of investment capital on the side. I mean, believe that's it or not, even about. with these, yeah. yeah, even with these massive market gains that happened in 2023 to help recover some of 2022's loss, there was still so much dry powder sitting on the sidelines. And I think what's going to be interesting to see is how much of that dry powder comes back into stocks versus how much of that dry powder comes back into bonds when people can get guaranteed coupons yeah, of five yeah. still. I still yeah. think there's a bit of competition there.
0: Well, you already said that you don't think it's going to be eight. You think it's closer to two drops in the interest rate by the Fed. But what else would you take exception with what he said? It sounds like you did hear a lot of Bob Frelick on with us and Terry Savage on Wednesday. Any other places that you depart from him?
1: No, you know, I think generally speaking, you know, I'm just a little bit more balanced in my outlook. I was so happy that we at the Wealth Management Group didn't buy a one-way ticket to Recession Island last year like far too many people did. We talked about the probability of a soft landing. The possibility of a hard landing, I'm still in that same camp for 2024, but this is definitely the show me year, right? Not the show me state, the show me year. The data is really going to have to support this market. It's going to be very data dependent, and I didn't get too excited this morning on the bank earnings coming out of the, you know, Uh, the big banks before the opening bell. But no, I think we're kind of on pace. Everyone should just be rebalancing their portfolio back to target, paying attention to the taxes and controlling what we can control going into the new year.
0: Do you think stocks are fairly priced right now?
1: I think that the S&P 500 is definitely fairly priced, trading at the multiple that it is. As far as small caps go, I can't get too excited yet because the cost of borrowing that you alluded. I think what is really interesting to me, even though I – live in the United States. We manage money in the United States, own business in the United States. I do look at the other side of the pond, specifically the Far East. When I say the Far East, I'm talking about Japan. The valuations look good there. I think it's an interesting idea. As far as developed Europe goes, They just have more structural issues, et cetera. But getting some dollars into the Far East in Japan might be a good tactical asset allocation play for a portion of an investor's foreign capital in 2024.
0: But we've heard that small and mid-sized caps were a good place for money right now. You don't agree with that? I, I think when you ask me, what do I feel more
1: confident in? the valuations in SMID, small, mid, got absolutely crushed, certainly underperformed the S&P 500. When I look at the S&P 400 mid caps, the S&P 600 small caps, and there's room for them to make money, but they are going to be much more interest rate sensitive. And because I'm not jumping at the idea of six interest rate cuts, I would much rather focus on some of these large, well-established, great companies of America that are in the space of Healthcare, et cetera, which sat out last year's rally. So look at those healthcare stocks, look at those large cap defense stocks. I think there's room for growth there and stability moving forward.
0: Well, what I'm hoping is that we have a broader base. I don't want seven stocks to raise the entire index. I, I hope that we have a broader base participation this year
1: i am so happy you said that because you know something that you and i had talked about i keep notes john because i love you love your show is back in october we had said if this market turns people might want to start focusing portions of their money not on cap weighted stock indices but on the equal weight version of stock indices because if the soft landing happens you're right The market is going to have to broaden. So I encourage people to take a look, maybe at not just S&P 500, but S&P 500 equal weight, both as a tool to grow money and control some of that concentration risk in the Magnificent Seven now that we're into 2024.
0: I think that's an interesting distinction you make there. And I think only lately have we heard much talk about that. Craig's been on that for a while. Craig Balanos is the co-founder and CEO of Wealth Management Group. Invest with WMG.com is his website. Always nice to talk to you, Craig. Thanks for your help today.
1: Absolutely. Stay warm, John.
0: Brian Moak joins us now. He's the CEO and owner of Heart Certified Auto Care. This is the story of a business and also a business that's helping other businesses. Brian, welcome to WGN. How are you? I'm great, John. How are you doing? I'm doing real well. I've read your story or a story about you, but let's talk a little bit about Heart Certified Auto Care. What do you do?
2: We uh, have uh, locations in Evanston, Wilmette, and Northbrook. Uh, We're full-service auto repair tires. uh, So basically anything that you would need, uh, maintenance mechanically or tires, uh, you could count on us for.
0: Are you busy today, or is the weather bad enough people aren't coming in?
2: Uh, No, we are slammed uh we have been uh for the last i mean we it's we've been busy for as long as i can remember but this weather has definitely uh put a uh sense of urgency in people uh to to get in and get taken care of
0: you know i'm thinking about my tires because if the temperatures are in the 20s or 30s that's one thing when it gets to 10 below zero maybe then they (sighs) need more air right well, you want to keep them exactly where the manufacturer suggests that they be. There's
2: a miscommunic- or mis- uh, belief, uh, misunderstanding that uh, we want them to be firmer as uh, it gets colder. And believe it or not, that that's a, uh, you don't want to do that. You want to keep them exactly where the manufacturer uh, uh, says your car should
0: be. Yeah, but the number will go down. So if you put a pressure gauge on it when it's 5 versus 35, you'll see that you have less pressure. So should I top them off or, or not?
2: Uh, it depends. I wouldn't do it outside. Um, that is a a good way to blow up your tire valve. Um, but, uh, I would, I'd go to a place you trust and just have them bring it inside and, 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 and take care of that for you.
0: Now, it says here that you are one of the few LGBTQ owned auto repair businesses in the Chicago area. Uh, does that matter? Why, why do we note that when we talk about what you do?
2: Well, I don't know that we're one of the few business owners in the Chicagoland area. I would say we're one of the few in the auto repair industry. Um, and I think the reason of note is that uh, there is a belief and feeling out there that if you are in a marginalized uh, uh, community, uh, that you might feel you're going to be uh, talked down to or taken advantage of or uh, treated differently uh, in a service environment, not just auto repair, but in any service. And so uh, we want people to know that because we love everybody and we want anyone that comes in to understand that they're going to be treated uh, like our favorite relative. So that's and, that's why that is something of note.
0: But that marginalization is sound like something that you had to confront personally before your business actually became successful, right? Uh.
2: Without, yes, uh, regularly, uh, and sometimes even still, still now. Um, But uh, yes, that is something that I have definitely gone through. Uh, I understand the feeling. I know. um, uh, I am a. uh, I would say I'm more on the spectrum, a little bit more masculine. Uh, My my husband is a little bit more effeminate, and we are definitely treated differently when we are in public environments. So I understand the feeling. I understand the, uh, the, the, uh, the fear that comes with that. And every single person in my company has been trained to uh, never provide uh, a negative experience like that, to always make someone feel empowered and educated and cared for. And so, yes, I've experienced it, and I want to make sure that anyone that comes to us understands they will never have to worry about
0: that at heart seems to me like this would be the dangerous spiral for somebody if you feel marginalized or judged or stereotyped customer walks in the door you maybe already have a chip on your shoulder now you're angry maybe they sense that that's not a good way to build business you need to sort of manage yourself before you can manage those customers i know that sounds like uh you know uh psychology speak there but I suspect that's it, it is the,
2: psychology speak. Yeah. Yes, is it true? And, though? It's, and it's it's a hundred percent true. Um, you know, it's it's a um, somebody walks in and they're afraid. Uh, that fear uh, can translate into uh, a perception from the person giving service. That perception may be negative. All of a sudden, that spirals, uh, and it it doesn't spiral in like an in in an explosion. It spirals in a uh, neither side of the counter, uh, feels that they have connected. And so there is a disconnect, which does not allow for anyone to feel comfortable. And, uh, the thing that I would say is that my own experience, I have walked in guarded, uh, to places for years. As a matter of fact, I was just a year ago at a, uh, CEO summit in Austin, Texas. It was at a dude ranch. And I remember, uh, uh, in the uber on the way to this dude ranch having a pep talk with myself saying just be honest just tell people who you are don't hide it don't speak in pronouns don't say us or we say my husband and and i went in and i did that and believe it or not i i got a new business partner out of that i made a bunch of friends and it wound up uh my guard letting my own guard down Uh, enabled a phenomenal and fantastic experience of vulnerability and just being authentic. Um, And so uh, I'm not saying that if someone walks in guarded, it's their fault. Uh, I have walked in guarded in many environments because there's reason for it. Um, But I I do think that when you uh, kind of own who you are and you accept who you are and you are proud of who you are and you show that and display that, it gives permission for people to accept you.
0: It's really interesting because you're talking about the vulnerability of the guy on that side of the counter, say at an auto repair shop. I'm the guy on the other side coming in and you want to talk about feeling vulnerable. I don't even know how much pressure to put in my car tires. I'm the one who feels Without like question. I'm the one who feels like, boy, I need to rely on your honesty, integrity, your knowledge. You know, I need I, I'm hoping I get a fair deal and you get it right. That's that's my experience Absolutely. on the other side. You know?
2: Totally and and so i'm sorry i may may have misspoke i was actually referring to both sides i think that uh the customer walking in you know most people have no idea what they're buying and they you know it's similar to what you just said they are relying on the good faith of believing in the person they're buying it from the person that they're counting on to do the right thing and i think that um having that Exchange of vulnerability and authenticity, and you know, um, uh, I always tell everyone that works here, it's it's not even about the golden rule. It's about it's about you treating customers the way you want your favorite family member to be treated, and and if you do that every day and all day long, uh, the gift you've given someone is tremendous. It is the ability for them to be comfortable, to be confident to feel that they uh, can take a, 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 a sigh of relief and truly learn about what they need. When someone is guarded, it's hard to learn. And our job is to uh, empower, educate, uh, and then do it right. And if we can do those things, and we do it over and over again, then we build uh, a, a tremendous following, which I, I think we have, and and that's the mission. The mission is to make someone uh, help them feel safe Comfortable and seen.
0: So you and I aren't talking about auto care now. We're talking about empathetic uh, leadership. That's that's that sounds like that's your mo over there.
2: It is. It is more than our mo. It's it is it is who it is the core. It is the cornerstone of who we are. I I believe that we we happen to fix cars, but we're actually in the hospitality (laughs) business, (laughs) and and our job is to make someone feel taken care of. And, you know, if, if if John, if you if you come into one of my shops and we uh, uh, tell you what you need, if you're not able to go home and explain to a friend or significant other or child or whomever what it is we did, then I feel like we failed you. And, and the job is to help you understand what you're in need of so that you feel empowered to take control of the situation because it's your car. It's not ours. And it's, it's our job to be that support for you. So, yes, empathetic, uh, the, the, the belief, the feeling, the, the, the leadership that we all display here. Yes, that is, that is who we are.
0: Heart certified auto care. So where are your locations again, Brian?
2: We're in Evanston, uh, Northbrook and Wilmette.
0: It's nice to talk to you. I'll buzz my blazer up there sometime and say hello. How's that sound? I would love it. I would love to do, love to take care of you. Brian Moak, CEO, owner, Heart Certified Auto Care, heartautocare.com. Thanks Brian. This is WGN Radio. We've got more business news now. Here's Steve Grizanich.
3: Start your timer. It's time for the Wind Trust Business Minute sharing Chicago's business news of the day. Boeing is facing a lawsuit over the mid-air incident involving the 737 MAX 9 and Alaska Airlines. Passengers who were on the flight have filed a class action lawsuit against the plane maker. The plane's left-side door plug flew off last Friday shortly after takeoff, causing the cabin to depressurize and forcing an emergency landing. The lawsuit says the incident caused economic, physical, and emotional pain for those on board. Alaska and United Airlines have grounded their fleet of MAX 9s after finding loose bolts on door plugs. Advertising firm Havas is moving its downtown Chicago office to the Marshall Field Building at 24 East Washington. Cranes reports Havas is downsizing its space by more than half. It's the latest company slashing its footprint because of remote work. The company has signed a lease for about 33,000 square feet on the 11th floor of the Marshall Field building. It's moving this fall from its current location at 36 East Grand, where it's been since 1999. I'm Steve Grzanich, and that's your Wintrust Business Minute.
0: Okay, as promised, a soup update. It's the business of food with Steve Alexander.
4: Thank you, and here we go. It's a great day for the business of food.
5: Heavy snow rates expected and really gusty winds.
4: Our very own Morgan Kolkmeyer there, and her forecast is great for the business of food. Grocery stores are likely to be jammed ahead of the storm.
5: Yeah, we are running to the grocery store when I pick up the kids today because I figure... Everything's going to be selling
4: out. I'll tell you who she is after I thank the Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com for sponsoring us today. There's never been a better time to put a Silverado in your toolbox, especially one with four-wheel drive. Got any snow out there?
5: We have some. We had a snow day on Tuesday, so there's some on the ground. It's covered pretty good, I'd say.
4: Out there is a farm near Waterman, south of DeKalb, where Deanne Frieders and her husband raise crops and cattle and kids. And they're busy getting the farm ready for the below-zero weather coming in the next few days. Deanne is also a popular food blogger with quick and easy recipes under the name This Farm Girl Cooks so farm girl how about some ideas for meals that will warm our bones
5: yeah i make this a lot and it's a crock pot recipe with chicken and wild rice and it's very similar to panera's chicken and wild rice soup it's really easy to make you just kind of put everything into the crock pot and let it go and it's nice and hearty and it gets thickened with a little roux so it's Not super bad for you, but it really sticks to your ribs.
4: Oh, yeah, that's what we're looking for. How about a chili?
5: There's a pulled pork chili that's really fun. So you can make it with the pulled pork kind of all in one, or you could make pulled pork and have it for sandwiches and use the leftovers in the soup and it has a secret ingredient. I actually put a little bit of coffee in with it and a little bit of cocoa powder and it really works with everything else that's going on in the recipe.
4: Mhm. I'm feeling warmer already. And all of your recipes are available where?
5: My website this farm girl cooks. And I'm also on social media by the same name. I'm a soup lover year-round, so I think my website has over 40 different soup and stew recipes.
4: Deanne Frieders, This Farm Girl Cooks. From the farm to your belly, here's another cold-weather treat. It's National Curried Chicken Day. I'm Steve Alexander. That's the business of food on 720 WGN.
0: It's uh, maybe soup season when it gets this cold, but isn't it always... Pizza season two, Jeff Rosati from Rosati's Pizza, the CFO there, and now here on the Wind Trust Business Lunch. Hi, Jeff, how are you? Hi, John, how's it going? Pretty good. I just got a call from my doctor. He said I need more pasta and pizza for yeah. this weather.
6: Well, that's right. It's uh, put some meat on your bones.
0: <laughs> we thought we'd check in and see how business is with you and with your business. How are things going now as we turn the corner in 24?
6: good. Um, You know, this weather is great for us. Anything that keeps people in their homes and uh, not wanting to go out is, you know, that's pizza delivery weather.
0: Yeah, no kidding. I'm just looking at all the locations, not just in Illinois, Florida, Colorado, Arizona. Mm -hmm. How many Rosatis are there now?
6: Oh, there's about 225.
0: Where did it start? Well, you know, it sounds like a lot.
6: Yeah. It's, oh, for sure. Chicago. Mount Prospect was the first store. It sounds like a lot of locations, but it's, you know, it's just a big family. You know, my dad was one of 10. I'm one of seven. You know, his brothers and sisters all went in it. My brothers and sisters are all in it. You know, uh, my cousins are in it, nieces, nephews. So with all these people in it, if everyone has a couple of locations, you, you know, you get to that uh, couple uh, hundred locations pretty quickly. <laughs>
0: So instead of stockings, everybody at your family gets a, uh, gets their own restaurant. Is that the idea?
6: <laughs> well, yeah, pretty much. It, you know, started in 1964 with my uncles. Actually, my dad was in the pizza supply business, and he was had routes in Illinois, Wisconsin, Indiana, uh, Iowa, and he was going around delivering uh, pizza supplies. And he's like, "These guys are doing great," and. He uh, talked to his brothers and like, okay, well, let's, we'll open a pizza place. We'll call it Rosati's. That's our name. Uh, they ran it. My dad distributed it to them. Um, it did really well. And then from that point on, pretty much, uh, you know, anybody that got out of high school, they opened a pizza place in the family. <laughs> so after a while, there was uh, a lot of locations just with, you know, the next generation of, uh, you know, kids opening stores
0: yeah and you guys do sandwiches and pasta and salads and wings too it's not just pizza, but the core is pizza right?
6: yeah, I mean pizza's about depending on the location, anywhere from fifty to seventy percent of our business, and the rest is everything else, just like you said, from sandwiches to pastas. We do a lot of pastas, salads uh, wings, appetizers
0: is, is the trend changing or in any way in Chicago are we? Going more to Thin Crust, or is it still the Thin Well, crust? yeah.
6: <laughs> no. It's it's kind of a myth that Chicago's a, a deep dish town. Yeah, I mean, that that's, like, popular, but Chicago's a Thin Crust town. You know, Thin Crust pizza cut in squares. That's what Chicago is. That's what most people order. Um, our business is definitely heavily uh, Thin Crust.
0: That's heresy, sir. Heresy. <laughs> <laughs> it's what it is. <laughs> Well, but and as you're saying that, I'm thinking. Well, actually, that's kind of what I get now that you mention it. Is a, a thinner crust, and maybe these days, I don't know why, but I do seem to be going in that direction myself. Are you guys going to be able to deliver uh, this week? Is that a worry? For, oh yeah, you, a big delivery mm. guy.
6: No, I mean, we've been doing this forever. Um, you know, this is where the drivers love, you know, making extra tips. I mean, hopefully people tip them well. It's, it's brutal out there. It took me almost two hours to get to the office today. So, <laughs> um, but, so uh, you know, tell the customers it might be a little bit slower, but uh, we'll get it there and it'll be hot.
0: Is football season really good for you? Is the Super Bowl your biggest day? No, actually, Super Bowl's good,
6: but our biggest day, you know, believe it or not, is um, Halloween. Halloween's a huge day for us. You know, everyone's, again, people have to be home. They're, um, you know, to give out candies, so uh, they don't want to cook, so they, you know, order pizza. And uh, another big day that's gotten huge is uh, Christmas Eve. You know, years ago in the 70s and 80s, we were closed on Christmas Eve, and, you know, now it's one of our bigger days, you know, with catering.
0: Hmm. Uh One last question. Have you learned anything from the pandemic? A lot of businesses today in 24 are operating differently than they did in March of 2020. How has your business changed or did you go back to the way it was? No, well, the pandemic
6: was, we were tailor-made for it. Um, you know, nobody could leave their house and ordering food was, you know, you know, a big part of their day. <laughs> so, the pandemic was very busy for us. And, uh, it's funny though, it did increase business, but we kept a lot of that. So uh, it's surprising, uh, that we, uh, you know, increased the business and even though the pandemic's over and people are back out, we're still keeping it cause we're primarily pickup and delivery. So, um, you know, that, that really just did our business perfectly.
0: Yeah, and then maybe it's not surprising at all. Jeff Rosati is the CFO at Rosati's Pizza. Rosati'sPizza.com is the website. Jeff, it's nice to talk to you. Have a great winter. Have a great year. Yeah, nice talking to you. Thanks.